Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoyed this message in our current series. Well, good morning. So, we are kicking off a new series, and they call this uh, an ellipsis. Did you know that? Neither did I. Uh, somebody told me the other day. And I was talking to someone about this, 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 these three little dots, and it occurred to me, we've all seen these, and they're, they're slightly terrifying. There, there's something about this when you open up your phone and it's uh, dot, dot, dot. I mean, how can three dots be so terrifying? Like, it's the, the message that, ah, there's more coming, right? Like, that's not everything. Um, there's more I need to tell you. That's the point of the ellipsis. It's the, the, the point of the dot, dot, dot. And I was just thinking how, how often life is sort of like dot, 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 right? It's the unexpected. It's, it's, we're, we're, we're living in that period of uncertainty and unknown. What's going to happen? How will we live? What's the answer? I mean, so much of life is lived in the dot, dot, dot. It's lived in the not quite there yet, not all good yet. When's it going to happen yet? So for the next few weeks, I want to talk about how we can live well anywhere. And to do that, I want to talk about first things five of them, these, these, these five first things in our lives that help us to live well anywhere. And to do that, we're going to turn to the book of Daniel. And Daniel is one of those books that you probably grew up hearing stories out of. Maybe you heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are two of the most famous ones. But the book of Daniel is sort of divided into two halves. The second half, chapters 7 through the end, tell us prophecy. And people have been theorizing about what these mean and creating whole industries out of them for years. We're not going to do that. The first six chapters are something of a master's class in how to live well anywhere. In fact, before we turn to Daniel chapter 1, we'll turn to one of his contemporaries. His name is Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet in Israel, but he was a, a, a peer, a, a colleague, a, a contemporary prophet to the book of Daniel. Daniel and 
famously, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are the ones we know. They, they were in exile. They had been taken captive, and they were living in Babylon. And so Jeremiah writes these famous words in Jeremiah chapter 29. You may be familiar with some of them. And he writes them to Daniel and all of those in exile. It's sort of a message about here's how you can live in exile. Here's how you can live in the ellipsis, in the dot, dot, dot. Here's how you can live well anywhere. And when you walk through these chapters, you find these, you find these practical, useful, life-giving principles about how we live. So I wanted to start with, with Jeremiah's words. Here's what he says in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 4. He's speaking again to those in exile, people like Daniel. And he said, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. And here's what he says. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. And for its welfare will determine your welfare. And then here's the famous verse, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's what Jeremiah is writing to Daniel, to Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, to all of those in exile. Listen, plan to stay. God's got a purpose for you there. Don't dwindle away. And then when you turn to the book of Daniel, you find that lived out. And that's what I want us to look at. The first things from the book of Daniel that help us to live well anywhere anytime. So here we go. Daniel chapter one. Let me begin in verse one and I'll read you a bit and then we'll try and draw just one principle from it today. I think it's practical and you'll be able to pretty quickly see how it fits into your life. Here's how it starts. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Asphanaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family. This is where our friends come in. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Watch it. Verse 4 says, Select only strong, healthy, good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Then watch what he says next. He says, Train them. 
Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchen. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah were the four, young, four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. There's the names we're familiar with. Ah, but there's more. There's a twist in all of this that's worth looking at. In the next verse, it says, But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. <laughs> well, there's the twist. He asked the king for permission not to eat these foods. He, he, was, he was, it says, determined not to, and there's the word, defile himself. Maybe you've heard this before, or you've heard a message on it before, or somebody's talked about things that defile us. <laughs> I was reading this the other day, and something occurred to me that had never quite occurred to me before. Daniel is very, very particular, and he makes his case, and if you read the rest of the story, they give him permission, and they run a test, and everything comes out good, and this is the way to live, and people have made whole diet books right out of this passage, the Daniel plan. If you like fruits and vegetables, go out and read it. This is not a message about that. Far from it. But here's the thing. Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food. But did you notice? He didn't have an issue with taking a new name or with the education he was going to receive. All of these were ways that they were enculturating Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego into the culture. And yet of these three, education, name, and food, it would seem like food was lowest on the list. But this is where Daniel decides to draw the line. Huh. What's up with that? If you're expecting some amazing answer, I'm sorry to disappoint you. There isn't any. It doesn't make a ton of sense. Daniel draws a line here, but not exactly there. And we don't know fully why. Maybe the point in this is simply the importance of drawing a line. Maybe the, the the point that Daniel wanted to make here was that you'll need to draw some lines in your life to maintain your identity. Drawing lines. Oh. If you're like me, 
and you grew up in a very, very conservative setting, you may have grown up a little bit worried about the distinction between drawing lines and legalism. In fact, I think some of us are so afraid of legalism that we don't want to draw any lines because lines sounds like legalism. But the truth is, everybody draws lines. Whenever you decide to define who you are, when you decide to declare your identity, you are drawing a line. So maybe the question for us to wrestle with in this passage is this. Where do we draw the lines? Like, where do we in our life draw the lines around what defiles us? Because here's the truth. Our identity, who we are, is determined in many respects by these lines. What we're doing with these lines is we're saying, I can't be this and do that. We do this all the time. Not just Christians or religious people, but we all make decisions that say, I can't be this and do that. So I'm drawing a line. I can't be this and this is who I am, and do that. And so we've drawn a line. I'll give you an illustration of this. Uh, a couple years back, uh, our, uh, our second daughter uh, was graduating from college out in California, and so we made a, a family trip out to California. and turn into a little bit of a, a vacation and see the city. She was in uh, the Los Angeles area, and uh, she wanted to show us everything going on in L.A. I mean, L.A. is a wild city, um, and we got, we, got, we got an eye full and an ear full. But one thing, she's like, we have to get some Mexican street food, like genuine, not like Cape Cod food truck Mexican food, street food, like, like actual on-the-street, couple miles from Mexico, Mexican street food. So we, she took us to this place that's sort of like well-known, and we pull up. I'm, a I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit nervous. The neighborhood made me nervous. But this place had, for, for a stand on the sidewalk, it had amazing Yelp reviews. That's right. They had Yelp reviews for a sidewalk stand. I'm like, this is, let's, let's go for it. I mean, we're living, living on the edge, trying new stuff. So we pull up and we park, and there's a line of people to get this stuff. And these guys are, they're out there and they've got a pot. I've never seen anything. It was only about this deep, but it was about this wide. I mean, it was, it was massive and it was cooking over. They had like burners and it was cooking and it was just full. It was like, it was like a liquid. It was like a stew pot and it was full of all of these different kinds of meat. There was like sausage, there was chicken, there was beef, there was, I don't know what, there was all kinds of stuff. And you would tell them what you wanted in your tacos and they would pull it out with tongs and just cut it up right there and put it in. And then you'd go down. It was amazing. I'm like, this is, this is why 
why we came to California. I mean, let's just bring it on. And, and so we're going through, I mean, he, and I, like, I, I forget, I like get steak and he, he reaches in and he pulls it out with the tongs. He's he chopping it up and somebody else gets chicken. He's chopping up and he gets to my daughter, Brianna, who's a vegetarian. <laughs> and she says, oh, I'm a vegetarian. And his eyes light up and he goes, oh, we have cactus. And he reaches into the meat pot and he pulls out this giant piece of cactus that's been stewing in the meat pot. I'm like, that is awesome. And she's like, no, dad, no. I can't. And he's like, no, no, it's a cactus. It's cactus. Little language barrier, but clearly this is a vegetable. She says it's been stewing in a meat pot. Which I thought was the only way to make cactus actually taste good was to <laughs> stew it in a meat pot. But she disagreed. Now here's what she was saying. She was saying, I can't be this and do that. See what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm, I'm this. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian. I'm not making a case for vegetarian in case you hadn't noticed. And do this. I can't be this and do that. That's what, that's what it looks like in our lives when we're drawing lines. Because what, what defiles us is the thing that compromises my identity. I can't be this and do that. If I do that, I'm not authentically this. So see, when, when I do something that compromises my identity, Identity, I'm defiling myself. You see how we're drawing lines now? Where do you draw the line? You draw the line around our identity. I'm this, so I can't do that. You, you see, here's what happens. Things come into our lives, and they offer themselves as acceptable, like cactus in a meat pot. And they say, oh, it's okay. It's sort of the same, but it's a counterfeit. And somewhere deep down, we know if I do that, I'm not authentically living out this. Does that make sense? So, so, so here, many of us would, would, would have an internal commitment not to engage in sexually explicit material. Well, why is that? Just because it says it's wrong? Well, at its crudest, sure. But it's more than that. We know that that thing is a counterfeit form of love, a counterfeit form of attraction. And as much as it's selling itself as the authentic, authentic, it's, it's cactus in a meat pot. And we've decided, ah, I can't be this and engage in that. 
Some of you have tried to overcome in your life a foul mouth. Can I just tell you, one of the hardest habits to kick? I grew up as a kid with a foul mouth. I know I grew up in like Sunday school, Bible school, five-day club, church seven times a week. But when I was out in the hood, I just like, like language became the, the counterfeit form of bravado until I decided that's not really who I want to be. I can't be this authentically and do that. So I started drawing a line. Am I perfect at it? <laughs> nope. Drawing a line, though, is what I'm saying. I'm like, that, that's not authentically the way I want to. Some of you have decided, look, I want to I live my life. I want to do my work ethically. And here's what will happen. A counterfeit opportunity will come along, and it will say, if you do this, you'll be successful. But it's cactus in a meat pot. Right? Because, because in order to do it, it's a counterfeit pathway to success. You couldn't be authentically the person you set out to be and engage in the unethical behavior that takes advantage of other people. Do you see how we're drawing the line? We're drawing the line around the thing that defiles us when we engage with that counterfeit. See, when you draw a line, you're saying, here's what I believe is true. Here's what I believe is true about me and the world around me. That's what a line is. Where do you draw the line? You draw the line at what I believe is true about me and who I am and the world around me. Does that mean that we're perfect at it? No, it just means that that's a line that I'm trying to live up to or towards. It reminds me of who I want to be, and this is where we come to the very first of the first things. If you want to live well in this world, you're going to have to decide who you are. It sounds simple, doesn't it? Decide who you are. I love verse 8 here. Uh, here's what it says. Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He was determined. You see, what you decide is true about you will determine what you do. And Daniel had determined, this is who I am. Here's the truth. Think about it. We admire determined people, don't we? There's something about people who have decided this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to live my life and then they go out and do it. I mean, we, <laughs> we admire those people, determined people. Some years back, U.S. News and World Report did a 
did a, a, a survey, a statistical survey, and they asked people, this has been a long time ago, but it's, it's, still, it's still pretty interesting. They asked people to rank who they thought was going to make it to heaven. And they gave them a whole list of people from star athletes to the president of the country at the time, and uh, Oprah was on there. A whole bunch of people were on there. And it won't surprise you that the person who came out on the top with 79% saying she would get to heaven was Mother Teresa. There, actually, there was one group that scored a little bit higher. 87% uh, of people, 79% said Mother Teresa would get to heaven, but 87% said they were going to heaven. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Yeah, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I think she's pretty good too. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. But what is it that we admired about Mother Teresa? We, we admired that, that this, this woman had, had committed her, her life to the slums of Calcutta, her entire life. She didn't do it for a short stint and then end up in a cushy boardroom someplace. Nothing wrong with the boardroom, but we would have lowered our opinion. There was something about this woman who was so determined. Her identity was built around serving those people in that place. We admire determined people, people who have decided this is who I am. Decide who I am. Let me give you, as we get ready to close this, just three what I think are, are, are pretty quick ways to, to, to do this. Um, the first is decision. That may sound obvious, but you have a decision to make about who you are. In fact, the easiest way for you to understand this is to ask yourself whose you are. Like, whose person am I? Who do I answer to? The answer for, for many of us will be myself. And for others, they will say, I, I belong to, to this person. I answer, I want to make this person. This is who I am. I am the person that does this or answers to this or keeps this person happy. But for the, the Christian, there, there is a piece of us that, that can decide I belong to Christ. That's who I am. I belong to Jesus Christ. That's my identity. I've decided that. The second part is declaration. Declaration is, is when we say it, sometimes out loud, sometimes in conversation. This is who I am. This is how I live. Sometimes we write it down. Sometimes we have to just whisper it to ourselves. Sometimes that declaration is a rebuttal. It's a rebuttal to the lie of the world, the flesh, 
and the devil. You remember that, right? The, uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's a, it, there's, a, there's a liar out there. And, and sometimes we need the rebuttal that just says, no, 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 this is who I am. And then finally, there, there is devotion, decision, declaration, and devotion. And by devotion, I specifically don't mean white knuckle, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be this. By devotion, I mean devotion to the presence of Christ. I mean, I mean devotion towards being with Him. You see, something happens when I, when I devote myself to His presence. This is why we come together in worship. It's why it's such an important part of our life. Because when we come together in this place and we stand up, it's like, it's like we get a refueling, right? We, we, we walk in, we see somebody we haven't seen before, we sing the familiar songs, we make declarations with our voices, we open the Word and we're reminded all over again about who He is, who we are, and how He wants us to live, and where we get the strength for it. You see what, what devotion to his presence. It's just I've got a devotion to being in his presence. And this is why I think it's so important for you and for I to practice his presence on a daily basis. That's why I think one of the most important things that happens in our life is that we just sit with him in his word and in prayer to be present with him. Because here's what happens. When you sit with him in prayer, in his presence, in worship, you begin to see who he is and what he wants. And then it does this. It shows what's true about me. And it shows what's true about the world around me. And here's what you'll discover. You'll discover in all of that, not guilt, not shame, not accusation. You'll discover that he wants to give you life and life to the full. That's what you'll discover. You'll discover that his way is true and it's good and it's never counterfeit. And it's in that place that we come to say yes to him. We've decided this is who I am and this is how I want to live my life. This is who I want to live for. So, would you pray with me? Maybe we need the moment just to reflect on where God is calling us to draw a line. saying, this is who I am, and if I'm this, I, I can't do that. And maybe through this, you've just begun to see 
something in your life around who you are and who you want to be where you need to draw a line. And maybe you're here and the whole talk of drawing lines for maybe a good part of your life has just made you a little bit uneasy. It feels like religiosity, guilt, shame. And because of that, you've, you've pushed away. You've pushed away from following after Christ, trusting him, saying yes to him. But maybe in this, you see that what he really wants is to give you life. As Jesus said, life and life to the full. Never a counterfeit. And if that's you, I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer like this. Dear Jesus, you know me. And you know everything about me because you made me. Today, I'm saying yes to you. I invite you into my life. I want to embrace you as my Savior, accepting your gift of forgiveness. Dear Lord, help me now to live my life fully for you. In Jesus' name, amen.